Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier. Welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Brendan McGuire. And Sean Kleisinger on this Thursday edition of the Sports Cage. Hello, Saskatchewan. Coming up on the program today, we'll hear from the big money receiver with the Edmonton Elks, one of the biggest prizes in free agency, Gino Lewis. We'll go coast-to-coast with Arash Madani, who's been taking in some women's soccer. And we will also hear from Regina Pats goaltender Drew Sim, as well, our gambling expert Andy McNamara in Hour 3. And we will do press coverage with Glenn Suter for Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. I love the format change zinger. I love the three to six schedule, but holy moly, plugging the meter for three hours. Man, are you going to be okay? Like, do you have enough money for this? That's like, what, 20 bucks a day or something? Holy smokes, Brendan McGuire. Double taxed man. on the salary. Appreciate it, though, man. We the, need you in here, man. The program. Paul Friesen has been a columnist for a long time with the Winnipeg Sun. You may have read his stuff online regarding the Canadian Football League, largely about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But today, we go out to Paul on the Western Pizza Hotline to talk about something that we would rarely ever go to Paul Friesen about, more than likely, and that's to talk about the business of the Western Hockey League and a story that caught my eye last night. Winnipeg's first-place WHL team, could be on last legs in Winnipeg. Crack in the ice is the title, and Paul joins us now. Paul, how are you? Hey, guys. I'm all right, and very good description of me there. I would normally be writing about WHL business. You are right about that. Or Yeah, and, and it's funny because Paul, Paul wanted to caution me. He says, I don't follow the team that regularly. And I said, oh, all that stuff's boring anyways. The off-ice stuff's <laughs> far more interesting. Um, I recall a few years ago, um, and, and I almost wonder if this story is maybe even more interesting to our listeners than maybe it is the folks in Winnipeg, just because, as you know, the oldest junior hockey team in the country is the Regina Pats, and we don't have any when it, we don't have an NHL team here. We don't have an American Hockey League team here. And a few right. years ago, um, Matt Cockle, who uh, some of our listeners will recall was a goalie with the Pats in the late 90s, and Greg Fettis, who I believe is the founder owner maybe of 24-7 In Touch. I think that's where yes. uh, his right. business connections come. Okay, good, good. Um, and and there was all this news about how they were going to move from Kootenai or from Cranbrook. They were the Kootenai Ice, uh, who had started as the Edmonton Ice, and they had promised that the team would stay where they were in Cranbrook, and then two years later they moved to Winnipeg. There was always that suspicion that they were going to do that. And at the time, they were going to move into an arena uh, that just wasn't big enough to host a WHL team. The capacity at the Wayne Fleming Arena is averaged around 1,600, and 
Uh, it's kind of like the Phoenix, sorry, Arizona Coyotes playing in a 5,000-seat arena today. It's the hope that they're going to get a bigger arena and maybe part of a land development. Um, that has yet to materialize in the time that the Ice have played in Winnipeg. And according to your article here, um, Paul, it sounds like the Western Hockey League is growing tired of this and they're running out of patience. Why? Well, I think you nailed it, yeah. That, uh, that's exactly what's happening. And uh, like I said, I don't follow this league on a regular basis, but it was this story shouldn't surprise anyone who is in the league. The rumblings have been going on all season that this thing is coming to a head. So uh, I finally looked into it, and, and I have to give our, uh, our good friends at the other newspaper, the Free Press here, and with big, uh, full credit, they did a story a couple months ago on, on how the... Uh, the league has uh, kind of run out of patience and uh, applied some kind of monetary penalty to the ice owners. Uh, the league continues to insist that it wasn't a fine. Well, my source, someone who should know, says it was exactly that, but they may word it differently. I don't know, but there's certainly have been some ramifications for the local owners now for not even coming to an agreement on an arena. Not only have they not put a shovel in the ground, they don't even have a, an agreement. They're not even on the right road towards it that I know of anyway. Uh, it's been nothing but radio silence from the uh, ICE organization, which is nothing new. The league itself also very little comment just to say they continue to work with the ice to find an arena that uh, meets minimal WHL standards. Clearly the one at the University of Manitoba does not. Like you said, it's six, seat 1600 and it's uh, really uncomfortable. Dressing rooms are are a bit of a joke. Uh, I used to work there, so I know it very well. <laughs> um, it, it's certainly not up to university standards, barely, let alone WHL standards. So. So the whole thing, I'm told by people in the in the league, is coming to a head. <clears throat> Where it's going to end up, I can't predict. But there is certainly talk of what city they could relocate to. And so that's what I wrote. I wrote everything I know. But before we get to that, because I'm really that, that that's probably the most um, fascinating part of all this is where do they go? But when the ice moved to Winnipeg four years ago, I feel like a lot of us looked at this situation and thought to ourselves hmm Winnipeg's a small town by NHL standards and when the Jets returned in 2011 Gary Bettman said maybe not in these exact words we need everybody's money we need everybody to buy tickets we're going to grab everybody we can turn them upside down and shake every nickel out of their pockets we can in order for this to work in Winnipeg the um, farm team the American Hockey League franchise came back and there were different reasons for that is there enough to go around in Winnipeg for NHL, American Hockey League, and Western Hockey League? Like, like I, I, I interviewed uh, Ron Robinson right before that, mm-hmm. who said they wanted to, the uh, commissioner of the, the Western Hockey League, and, and yeah. he said they wanted to go to Winnipeg, and I said, well, what if the Jets come back? Do you still want to go to Winnipeg? And he said, no, absolutely not. And then the mm-hmm. Jets are back, and they're going into Winnipeg. It all just seems mm-hmm. so bizarre. So was, mm-hmm. was, was there skepticism on the part of the locals there that this was all just about a real estate deal? Uh, yeah, I, I was certainly skeptical about how the whole thing would work. Uh, but uh, And Gary Bettman, by the way, I think his words were more like, you need to fill that building every night um, to, to make the Jets work long term. And uh, you may have noticed they don't fill it quite every night anymore. Most nights they don't. A thousand or so short. <clears throat> but that's another story. Uh, Greg Fettis, the uh, head of 50 Below Sports and Entertainment, which was 
very aptly renamed on the eve of that news conference uh, four years ago. Just recently, we passed the four-year mark. He promised, quote, we're building a 4,500-seat arena. We're expecting it to be full. Uh, That's four years ago now. And, uh, again, not a shovel in the ground. So, I mean, you don't move a WHL team halfway across the country just for a real estate deal. You you expect it to work. I have every... No reason not to think Greg Fettis and his partner Matt Cockle didn't think it would work here. They had grand plans. It, was, it almost seemed brash at the time, like it was just a formality. They were going to get this state-of-the-art arena built and and merge their Junior A teams, which, by the way, they now own two of those in the Manitoba Junior Hockey League, the Blues and the Freeze. So the whole thing was going to be this, this synergy of... Uh, um, you know, players being promoted through through their training academy and through the junior A team into the WHL team, and and it all sounded, you know, too good to be true. To be honest with you, and here we are. Nothing's happened uh, since then. I understand this is just pure hearsay that the Blues and Freeze aren't doing well; that they're in financial trouble. Um, and then there's the Ice, who have to be losing money at 1,600 fans announced. Per game, I don't know that they're getting that. There's often empty seats at the Wayne Fleming. Um, now, maybe you know a lot of owners can uh, afford to lose money on a hockey team for a while, but when you can't afford to build the arena you promised, and I understand they uh, that was a, a requirement that you need a WHL standard facility. By now, they had three years to, to get it going, and it's been four. So no wonder people are losing patience. Um, you know, I've heard this described the acquisition of the of the ice and the move to Winnipeg as a as a vanity project for the owners. Uh, you know, I, I have no idea if that's true. They don't do interviews. It's uh, you know, at the trade deadline, I was writing this uh, glowing story about the uh, talent they acquired at the deadline here to make a run at a championship. What do you think? I could talk to the GM? No, I'm told the GM doesn't do media. Is that right? A team that can't uh-huh. fill a 1,600-seat arena has one of the best yep. teams in the country, and the general manager doesn't talk to the media. Those were the words. He doesn't do media. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, again, I don't deal with them on a regular basis. Uh, I know people who have, and uh, they're frustrated as hell about the, the way they operate. I can't say my own experience has been that, but it uh, the experience I do have, it, it it doesn't run very professionally. I've heard from some fans who say they love going and they'd miss it. I've heard from others since this story came out uh, yesterday, last night, that uh, it's very unprofessionally run. Even just the, the uh, procedure of buying tickets is extremely unprofessional. So I don't know. Uh, I don't have uh, the answers as to where it's going to end up, but uh, it doesn't sound good. Winnipeg Sun columnist Paul Friesen joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dine in, take out, or delivery. Get it hot, get it fast from Western Pizza. Um, you took the lead, if I'm not mistaken, Paul, on a story, Grey Cup Week, about McLeod Bethel Thompson criticizing the commissioner of the Canadian Football League. And we love to rail on the Canadian Football League, and it's part of the league's charm. And, and with that, yes. um, sometimes it's commissioner, and this week has been no exception with the situation in Montreal. It sounds to me like the fact the league allowed a team to go to Winnipeg without a secure arena in de- or sorry, a secure arena deal in place and now seems all surprised that it hasn't come to fruition four years later 
um, makes Randy Ambrosi look like a genius uh, compared to whoever's running the Western Hockey League, Ron Robinson or otherwise. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's an easy, an easy uh, shot to take. And hey, I've taken my share of shots in my career, so <laughs> go for it. But uh, I mean, if things weren't working out well in Cranbrook, although boy, there's a lot of bitter fans there. When remember when the team was was bought and moved here, uh, I spoke to one of the Cranbrook uh, fan organizers, and he was actually involved with the team in, in some capacity as well. And he was livid at the way that all went down. Thought it was planned from the day they they bought the team there that the the eyes were always on moving here and they didn't even try to sell tickets very hard etc etc so i don't know what you do as a league you want they needed an owner in cranbrook right um it was a a team i think sold out of uh was it an estate kind of situation i'm I'm not sure i think so i think it was ed chanel ed chanel's estate i think you're right yeah you guys would know better than me uh so you need a new owner this guy's got great promises and uh and I think the league, for some reason, has always wanted to be in Winnipeg. Like you said earlier, why when the Jets came back? But, you know, I think it could work. It's, uh, it would leave a great rival with Brandon here, and uh, you know, teams could travel out here, at least play them both. Uh, so it, it made a lot of sense in a lot of ways for the league to be here. And I don't know, I think with the right ownership, I wouldn't count out the chance of it working. Uh, it's a much better family price than the NHL, obviously. Now, yes, the Moose, the Moose give you that as well, the AHL team. But, you know, you got uh, top draft pick potentials here, right? You got guys who have been top pick, top picks. It's, it's uh, all youth. It's uh, all energy. It's, it's, it can be a very exciting atmosphere. So, I wouldn't say it can't work here with an NHL and an AHL team here, but it's got to be run right. It's got to be run really well, efficiently, professionally, uh, with the right facility. None of those things seem to be happening. Maybe a general manager who does interviews. Hey, I saw on your your story of uh, the rumors of places it could land next, Chilliwack, B.C., Wenatchee, Washington, Estevan, Saskatchewan. I'll have you know, I used to broadcast for the Estevan Bruins, so they get my mm-hmm. vote. I'm not sure how realistic that is, but uh, we don't, don't really Yeah, we, we only have a few seconds left, but I'd be remiss if we yeah. had you on the line and didn't uh, get your thoughts on CFL free agency uh, in 60 mm-hmm. seconds or less. Uh, Blue Bombers looks like for the most part standing pat, and maybe that's a good thing for them. Standing pat is, is uh, would have been a decent thing for them. I think of acquiring Kenny Lawler to come back. Oh, I guess uh, I guess I neglected to yeah. mention that. That's that's pretty you important. Might want to mention that one. <laughs> that uh, I can hear Zach Calero smiling from here uh, when they made that move, um, and with the with the re-extension of Nick Dembski. And Dalton Schoen just coming back now with uh, no NFL offer. Boy, that uh, gives them a passing attack that should be that should be really good. They've got a good running attack already with Brady Oliver, and they've returned their veteran O line and D linemen led by Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat. So yeah, at a big hill, of course, at the middle of the middle of the defense here in Winnipeg, it looks like uh, no reason to think they're not going to stay on top or near the top again. I don't know about fifteen and three again. That was pretty remarkable. A franchise record, but if they're not fighting for the division title come uh, late October, I'll be surprised. Good to see some some things happening with Sask. I, I think they've, uh, you know, I was, kind of, I was a Cody Fajardo fan, but I know not everybody was anymore. But uh, they seem to have landed on their feet there. And uh, the Lions, even though they've lost Nathan Rourke, you know, I could see them hanging in there still. Um, 
point, the quarterback they've got. So I don't know about Edmonton. They're making a lot of moves. And you think they would have learned paying Kenny Lawler that much to to be a receiver that uh, that, that doesn't pay off necessarily. But uh, heck, Chris Jones, you got to love him. He'll find a way eventually. You He'll- think to turn it around. So, and then Calgary, I, I still. Uh, I think don't count out Calgary either. I think the West is going to be more competitive than it was last year. And boy, you got to love what Hamilton's doing out east. They seem to be finally uh, ready to end their drought like Winnipeg did four years ago. Well, I think Ryder fans are okay with Winnipeg fighting it out for first just because uh, if our riders ever get their stuff together, there's nothing better than a Sask-Winnipeg rivalry or a Sask-Winnipeg West final. Hey, never enough time, Paul. Can't wait to have you on again. And uh, next time, we'll talk more CFL. Thanks for this. Appreciate it. Take care, guys. That is Paul Friesen from the Winnipeg Sun, and you can read his work at winnipegsun.com. Time to break. You're listening to the Sports Cage on Rider Radio 620 CKRM. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Still ahead on this Thursday edition of the Sports Cage, we'll hear from the big free agent pickup of the Edmonton Elks, Geno Lewis. Apparently they're paying him 320 large, and the consistent response we're getting is, that's way too much for a receiver. Gino probably doesn't think so. We'll hear his take on that. And Arash Madani uh, in hour two. And we will also hear from Regina Pats goaltender Drew Sim, our gambling expert Andy McNamara, and a check-in with Glenn Suter as well. Brendan McGuire and Sean Kleisinger in the cage today. I don't think we've heard one person who thinks that that's a good contract. Yeah, he's the highest paid player in the CFL that's not a quarterback. So, well, somebody is, has to be. And he's a pretty has good to player. Be. And yeah. you can argue that, uh, well, a lot, a lot of people think that wide receiver is the next most important position in football. I don't know about that. But uh, if you look at it on paper, you, it seems that way. I mean, $320,000, and don't get me wrong, I, I, he's worth every penny. I mean, the guy's the best receiver in the league. So I just wish he was a rider, man. But. That'd be pretty hard to tie up eight hundred twenty thousand dollars on two players yep. um, on a cap of five million five plus million dollars. You can chime in on the conversation through our Twitter feed at Sports Cage, and also send us a text on the Capital GMC Buick Cadillac text line three zero six nine three six sixty two sixty two. You can call us toll free at one eight six six seven six seven. 0620. We do got a text on the text line. George from Pilot Butte says, with the Alouette's ownership situation, maybe a perfect opportunity to give the Maritimes a trial opportunity. Move from Montreal to the Maritimes? I love the idea. I don't know if that would work so well with your TV partners. We've learned what it's like trying to um, operate a sports enterprise in this country without one of your three major markets, Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver. Didn't work very well for the CFL for many, many years and didn't work very well for the Montreal Expos when they were cut out of Southern Ontario. Great thought. It would be good for the country. Um, They've been wanting for as far back as 50 years to have a team in the Maritimes, but uh, I don't yeah. see this as the solution. George goes on to say, can't be any worse than playing at McGill and gives them the opportunity to prove the proposed addition to the East. So it, it is a thought to float around, but I, it's not ideal for me because we're trying to get the we're, we're trying to get to that 10th team in the league, right? Like ideally, that's kind of like the goal in this. And moving thing. moving a ninth team to another place doesn't really no. accomplish that. You can't if you're dropping teams off. You can't, or if you're moving them around, you're reoccupying. And it's markets. the Montreal Alouettes uh, uh, we're talking about—a classic organization here in the Canadian Football League. 
Got to have them in the league, no? Glorious history. You need the big three. There are six franchises you cannot live without. Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, because they're the major markets. That's what the sponsors want. And uh, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, and Edmonton, because let's face it, they make all the money. But moving the Alouettes to Halifax is not the dumbest thing that I have heard uh, or move discussed. I think moving a WHL team to Winnipeg (laughs) when the Jets are already there and their farm team is already there. My um, vote is to rebrand the Estevan Bruins into a WHL team. They got affinity place in Estevan. That's a dub rink, man. That's a WHL rink. That's nicer than a lot of WHL rinks. Like, they, they got the venue. They, I mean, Estevan has, what, 10,000 people live? Maybe 13,000? It's, a, more than that. it's a bit smaller than Swift Current. It's yeah. not a lot different. Yeah. yeah. But the, the Estevan Bruins are a far more glorious brand than mm. the Winnipeg Ice. Yes will ever be so they would have to keep the name and the colors another thought that i had why not my not why not my not could you imagine that that'd be something huh it's like 40 50,000 people down there and yeah. it's a central area for the entire state i don't know if so. the my not state beavers would like that though you know but who cares about them not us <laughs> coming up we will hear from gino lewis the big prized free agent receiver with the Edmonton Elks. You're listening to the Sports Cage on the voice of Saskatchewan 620 CKRM. All right, your sports ticker at 331s for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. Just give them a call at 781-2090. More of a quiet day in the Canadian Football League as far as uh, signings go, but there are a few. The Saskatchewan Roughriders have signed national linebacker Justin Herdman-Reed, so it's good to have him back in Ryderville. And out east in Hamilton, the Hamilton Tiger Cats have re-signed American linebacker Simone Lawrence. This will be Simone's 10th season in the black and gold. It's Thursday, and we're back with our health and lifestyle expert, Tish Duffy. Train with Tish is the segment. Uh, welcome to the show once again. This is this segment's catching on, so we're happy about that. Now, Tish, I'm uh, 50 years old, just turned 50. When can you expect to maybe just maintain and not put muscle on? That's a really good question, and it's, it's a hard one to answer. It's not kind of a black and white type of answer. There's so many factors that actually do have to come into play. Uh, Things like genetics, what have you been currently doing, hormone levels, stress levels, how often are you sleeping, your diet plays a big role. So there are some factors that can help. I don't want to deter people from starting if they haven't in their 50s. I mean, I have a 55-year-old client right now, typical guy, right, loves sports in his 20s, 30s, and 40s, went to the gym with his wife. She did the weights, he rode the bike while she did the weights. (laughs) Um, And I've been training him now for six months, and he has put on some muscle. So I don't want to tell people it's impossible. Um, You definitely can certainly put muscle on in your 40s and 50s. It's certainly harder. Um, You have to, you know, increase and improve your habits, but you certainly can. Maintaining muscle in your 50s is certainly going to be a lot easier, but it's not impossible to put muscle on in your 50s. Okay, so here's a question for you. Now, you mentioned your client in his 20s and his 30s. I've worked out all the, all the way from the 20s right up to 50. Uh, but how should my workouts change? Like, should I go lighter weight, more reps, or, or more cardio? How should it change? So, uh, always make sure that you're walking. You know, you're getting your eight to 10,000 steps in a day. And strength training needs to happen 
probably less volume, less intensity, but maybe more often. You also, uh, as fitness people like to call workout splits, they have different terms and you probably want to get rid of the bro splits in your workout. So instead of going to the gym and working one or two muscles, you certainly will want to do more full body uh, exercises. So the whole entire body is getting trained it's, it's, instead of just one or two muscles. Instead of putting so much pressure on one or two parts of your body where the tendons and the joints are, you know, not as flexible and becoming a little bit more sensitive to certain loads. You just want to ask it with more full body loads. Use more bands. Uh, take away some of the heavy dumbbells. Use more bands. They tend to be a lot easier on your joints as well. Um, but yeah, certainly want to lessen the load. I have one kind of a, a rule that I recommend. If you're in your 50s or, or late 40s and you can't do an exercise for about eight reps, you probably are doing too heavy of a load. So pick up a weight that you could do at least 10 to 15 times and then you're probably going to be safe on your joints. Tish, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. My pleasure, Michael. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the sports cage. Right here on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Brendan McGuire and Sean Kleisinger filling in for Michael Ball on the Thursday edition of the Sports Cage. Coming up, we will hear from Arash Madani and also Regina Pats goalie Drew Sim of Big Weekend ahead for the Pats as well. Uh, you can always chime in, of course, on the uh, Capital Pontiac Buick GMC text line at 306-936-6262 or through Twitter at SportsCage is our handle. You can also call us toll-free at 1-866-767-0620. Well, as many of you know, this is the week of the big CFL free agent derby for 2023, and the biggest prize on the market among non-quarterbacks was Eugene Lewis, recently minted by the Edmonton Elks, and he now joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Eugene, welcome to the program. Thank you, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. Have you been following a lot of the coverage about uh, not only your own signing, but some of the other signings and the moves and the merry-go-round that's been happening around the league, the game of musical chairs among your peers? Yeah, man. Um, I think it's a I think it's a great time uh, for the league. Um, it's great to see where people go. It's great to see people stay. Um, and it's just you know it's just awesome to kind of just start seeing how teams are going to pan out a little bit. You know, you know, pre pre the uh, season. You've been quoted as saying the ownership situation in Montreal is a bleep show, uh, end quote. Uh, and, and that was before the league took control uh, of the franchise. I, I feel like in the general public, most of us think that the players don't care who the owners are. Um, maybe explain a little bit why that's so important for a player who's thinking about their own future. Yeah, so, you know, um, yes, I did say that. And and honestly, I have to say this, too, because, like, people have to understand, like, for me, because everybody's situation is different. Like, so for me, it was more so, you have to understand, I went through so much in the organization when it came to the upstairs that it even before that, it was so much going on. You know what I'm saying? So, like, for me, I just had really never seen it at, like, a really, really stable, stable time. Every year, somebody changed up there and things like that. So... You know, not everybody's seen as much as I did. So, I, honestly, it was you know, that was part of my emotion coming out and things like that. But, um, you know, it just is what it is. And we have to understand as players that knowing the upstairs business and knowing, you know, the terminology and some of the things that they know is important for us because 
you know, I know when I was a younger player, it was so many things I didn't know about um, until I, I started educating myself and I had older guys start teaching me about what was going on. I had I had a lot of guys who were going upstairs and talking to people about certain things and, and getting an understanding of the business side of it. And, you know, they would, they would break that knowledge down to me. And then I felt it upon myself that, you know, to, for my best interest and to educate these younger guys, um, they need to know the this, this same thing too. So, uh, you know, it's just, you know, knowing the GMs and the presidents and the owners and stuff like that, uh, it goes a long way, just building relationships with people like that and, and you know, picking their brand and understanding how they got to the situation that they're in. And, uh, you know, you got to kind of implement that to your life. Edmonton Elks new star receiver Gino Lewis, our guest on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dine in, take out, or delivery. Get it hot, get it fast from Western Pizza. Uh, Gino, we've heard a lot of numbers uh, thrown about in terms of your new contract, and I won't ask you to comment specifically on that. Um, but in any sport, anytime somebody gets a nice free agent contract, there will always be some who say that's a great signing, and there will be others who say no player in that position is worth that kind of money. What would you say to those naysayers um, who would argue that maybe the Elks overpaid in terms of uh, bringing in a superstar like Geno Lewis? Um, honestly, for one, uh, everybody has their, their right to their own opinion. And, um, you know, I feel like for athletes, it's, it's, a, it's different perspectives, you know, in this situation. And, you know, for me, a lot of people don't understand. Like, it took me six years to get to this point right here. Like, it wasn't hard. When I first got to Montreal, when I first got to the CFL, I was making $400 a week, you know, in Canada. So, and I had a degree, and I could have went home. I could have went back to the states, and I could have got a regular job. But you know, for me, it was keeping my dream alive, and and and, and just to be able to uh, motivate other people and other kids, knowing that you know it's not how you start; it's, it's about how you finish. And um, I'm, honestly, the other thing I'm trying to do is I want people to understand that receivers, you know, we deserve more money too. Uh, I feel like uh, we contribute, you know, so much to the game, and and you know, I just want to be able to help the younger guys, you know, get more money because I know it was a point when I was coming up that there was a certain market for receivers and, 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 and you know, and that's what you wanted to get. But they always try to get it up for us too. So um, for me, it's, it's a bigger, it's a bigger thing for me. You know, I want to, I, I want to, you know, make trends and, 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 and uh, you know, make an impact on the CFL and, and hopefully, you know, at the end of my career and everything is all said and done, people can say that, you know, I, I did right by the CFL and I did everything I could to help the next generation. Hey, Gino, this is Sean Kleisinger. We got this XFL starting, I think it's this weekend, and we've already seen a couple players across the Canadian Football League take their talents, if you will, down sell to the XFL. Was that ever in the cards for you, or was it always, hey, I'm staying in Canada, I'm going to stay up here and make this my home? Uh, I definitely thought about it for sure. I thought about NFL, XFL, uh, USFL, the CFL, but I also know my situation in the CFL right now. Um, you know, I put myself in a, in a in a great position. You know, to to you know brand myself and and help teams win and uh and just to help this this league grow. Um, I think you know having talents uh, all over the CFL just it's a perspective of seeing seeing you know what what guys can really do and and giving them flowers. You know when, when they when they really make great plays. So uh, you know for me it was I knew I knew staying up here. Um, you know, I could really build something, and, and I can and I can help this league to the best of my ability, and, and bring more attention to it, and, and you know, try to bring as much money as we can to this league. And uh, you know, I'm just happy that the Elks are giving me this this opportunity to you know help that team, and and and, and, and you know try to bring a great cup to that city. 
And I got to ask, too, because I know Ryder fans would get upset with old Zinger if I don't ask, but did the Saskatchewan Rough Riders come to the table with an offer for Eugene Lewis? I know Michael Ball and myself were trying to convince you about a month ago to come to Ryderville. Obviously, it didn't happen, but uh, were the Riders in contact with your team? Yes, I, I did. I had some contact with the uh, the Riders for sure. And obviously, you know, with Trev going over there and Jake, um, it definitely was very intriguing. Um, um, and I actually had one of my coaches, uh, Andre Bauduc, who's the new running back coach there. Uh, he went there too. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that Sass wasn't wasn't a team that was on my mind. It definitely was for sure. Um, it just, you know, the situation in Edmonton, you know, I just feel like ended up, you know, being the best for me, you know, for the best of my careers, for the best for me to win. And, uh, you know, to uh, just, just keep, uh, you know, making milestones. Uh, I know that you've never played with Cody Fajardo before, so uh, if you choose not to answer this question, that's totally understandable. But uh, you have uber familiarity with Trevor Harris. Um, from 10,000 feet from the outside, does it look to you like the Rough Riders have upgraded at quarterback? Um, yeah, I would say I would say yes. Just for one, you know, Trevor, uh, he's a great player, man, a great guy. Uh, and uh, I've seen the way he's worked. You know, I, I've had the chance to – you know, actually, you know, go behind the scenes with him in the film room and stuff like that. And uh, he's a very smart dude, man. He takes care of his body. And, you know, he, he's proven that, he, he, you know, he's, he's won in this league. He's been in this league for a long time. You know, everybody, you know, is, is, is talking about his age and things like that. But, you know, if you go over and just look at the stats and look at the things that he did that he accomplished last year, um, I feel like he's deserving for everything that he's getting this year. Um, you know, I always feel like, one of my goals is to help every quarterback that I play with get paid, and 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 if, I, if we make them look good, you know everything else is going is going to work itself out. So, um, yeah, I feel like I feel like they did a great job of getting Trevor, and I think Jake is really going to be a big surprise for everybody uh, this year too. Just for you know what happens with him last year, um, he's going to really open a lot of eyes. Again. Let's talk about your quarterback out west there. In Edmonton, Taylor Cornelius. What do you know about Taylor? Obviously, I'm guessing you've been in contact with him, but uh, out, uh, and outside of that too, what was kind of more into your decision of going to Edmonton? Was it just uh, the the money? Was it the players? Uh, can you just expand on why you, that you think Edmonton is a better location to win uh, rather than Saskatchewan? No, nah, it wasn't the money. Uh, trust me, it wasn't the money. It was a lot of there was a lot of money out there. So, um, uh, but my, my my main decision was, um, you know, I seen the the receiving corps they were developing, um, and I seen the potential of Taylor Cornelius. Man, he's uh, last year. You know, them guys they had a tough season, but they were closing a lot, and um, you know they ended up beating us in Montreal when I was there, and we ended up making a hell of a play at the end of the game uh, when we came to uh, Edmonton and. Uh, 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 pick it and a uh, bad picked it, uh, picked it and ran it back for the touchdown. So, um, the potential has always been there uh, for them. They were close in games, they fought hard. They ended up, you know, having some injuries that was detrimental to the team, you know, important guys. And, you know, that's always tough going through a season like that. I've been in a situation like that too before, but, um, you know, I just think, you know, what Coach Chris Jones is building, uh, you know, what he, what his plan is, the things he's trying to do. Um, I'm, I'm bought into it, man, and, I, and I'm trying to just help your team do the best that we can to uh, get to reach our goals. Gino, uh, the Elks haven't won a home game since before the pandemic, so uh, 
when that game, I don't want to say if, I'll say when that game finally happens and uh, you're able to haul in the winning touchdown and 200 yards, you will be a very popular man in northern Alberta. The sky's the limit. Thanks for doing this. I know we're less than 90 days away from training camp, so uh, enjoy the break. Enjoy the rest of your offseason. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys, and God bless. Yeah, appreciate you, Gino. Thanks, man. That'll be a great rivalry once the uh, season gets going. That is Eugene Lewis, the new star receiver for the Edmonton Elks. Time to break. We'll be back with more on the other side. You're listening to the Sports Cage on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the mighty 620 CKRM. Brendan McGuire and Sean Kleising are filling in for Michael Ball on this week of the Sports Cage. And coming up on this Thursday edition, Arash Madani. And also, uh, we will hear from Regina Pats goaltender Drew Sim. Big weekend coming up for the blue, red, and white. Regina Pats and the broadcast that you will hear right on this radio station, 620 CKRM. Zinger, I know you have a son, Casper, who's very close to the same age as my daughter, Claire, who's now 23 months her favorite word? No. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Casper? Casper's is, uh, honestly, he just started saying bye-bye. Like, bye-bye. Bye-bye. You know, he's only, uh, he's only 17 months, so he's, mm. uh, he's not quite, he's not quite stringing together consistent words quite yet, but, uh, yeah, good old Casper. What's up, Casper Kleisinger? How you doing today, man? Do you, do you go to great lengths to try to brainwash him into being like a Packers fan yeah. or something already? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's decals on his wall, Brendan McGuire. I got him, uh, books, uh, like, the name on his wall, it says Casper with a Packer logo above it. His toy box is a Green Bay Packers toy box. Uh, he's a Packers shareholder. Um, That's legal. Yeah. yeah. Like you he, can own part of a pro sports franchise when you're 17 months old. Yeah, he is. Although, it's Sean Keegan Kleisinger in trust for Casper Lars Kleisinger. Mm. Once he turns uh, 18, he can officially take over the share on his own. So, I am deciding things on his behalf until he's old enough. So you get to vote on who the GM is? On the board of directors, yep. You're on the board of directors. Or you get to elect a board of directors. Yep. That's how it works. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. You can chime in on the discussion through Twitter at SportsCage and also on the Capital GMC Buick Cadillac text line at 306-936-6262. Call us toll-free at one 767 620 uh, we're expecting in uh, the weeks ahead to have more chatter about the Regina Red Sox. I shared some text messaging last night with their new bench coach. Well, we have different terminology. In the U.S., he's called a manager. In Canada, we call them the head coach. Ben Kaminoski. Yeah. It's who the is manager. I don't like the head coach. I don't thing. like that either because that's, that's not a... That's hockey. Yeah. That's bad. No, it's So the manager. manager, we'll call him whatever we yeah. want to. The manager will be Ben Kaminoski from Regina, who is a catcher, played in the WCBL, and a uh, very good catcher, and one year, I believe, hit double-digit home runs playing for the Swift Current 57s. Is there a better entertainment value no. than a Sox game? No. Not not even close in Regina. Are you kidding me? Not even close. I mean, you could go to a Sox game, family for uh, family of three. You could go to a Sox game for under like fifty bucks, literally. And it 
it's it's collegiate level. It, it is like a college baseball game. These guys are college baseball players. Well, and they're they're older than like the Regina. Like you pay so much to go to a Pats game, and it's great entertainment. But these guys are like. Adults. These it's, are men. Yeah. Some of them can like really hit the ball, and some of them are stars. It's the equivalent. With their college teams. It's the equivalent to having a college baseball team in your own backyard. That's what we got here. A lot of people don't even because they've never heard of them. Yeah, I, I yeah. feel like a lot of people don't even know like who plays on the Red Sox. Are, are these guys just like recreational beer league players? Like who? No, these are college baseball players. College baseball season's very short, so these players need a place to play in the summertime. That's why, quote-unquote, it's called summer collegiate ball. No, it's a great great entertainment value, to answer your question. We might be a little bit biased, like through your role, <laughs> yeah. doing the PA announcing, yeah. and I've done the, the uh, webcast, but also um, Michael Zinter, uh, his dad... Uh, up until recently, was a hitting coach of the Cincinnati Reds, and uh, it's kind of a double-edged sword, I guess. On one hand, it's too bad that you know he's not still the hitting coach there. But I remember asking Michael after a game or before a game last season, I said, "Does he ever? Does he ever watch the webcasts? I'm curious." Mm-hmm. And he said, "Well, no." He can't. And I realized, what a dumb question that is. They play in the majors. Every single day. Every night. But now I wonder if he's going to get a chance to, well, most importantly, watch the webcast, but actually come up to Regina and experience Regina. And what one of the coolest moments I've had as a broadcaster maybe ever was... Um, when I first started following the Riders, they had a defensive lineman named Lance Cook. He was an interior lineman. Probably could have had a long career if he had really wanted to. And uh, he, he blocked a critical kick the first time the Riders ever beat the Stampeders when they had Doug Flutie. And I remember that game like yesterday. Because the first year that you started following your team, you, you just don't forget that stuff. Yep. This is from 30, 30 years ago. And... Uh, when you know what, Lance is in the crowd that night. He came on. He came on the broadcast. We had a ball. He's just thrilled that yeah. Andy, his son, was pitching for the Regina Red Sox. And that's what sport is supposed to be all about. It's about bringing people together. And what's nice about the Red Sox is most of the players are from nowhere near Saskatchewan or even Canada. And so you've got people coming in from Arizona, from Texas, from California, and every other which way. And... That's what makes it amazing, and you don't get that in any other sport. So, yeah, it, absolutely. We'll be, we'll, and a lot of the time, these players, it's their first time up in Canada, like first time ever in their lives, like large large majority of the time, probably like 95% of the time, these players, when it's their first time playing in the WCBL, you talk to them, and it's like, yeah, it's my first time in Canada. And so their first taste of Canadiana is in Regina, Saskatchewan, slash Western Canadian Baseball League, Alberta, Saskatchewan. So. And they teach us how good we have it in the summer because a lot of them come from Florida and Texas and Arizona where it's just gross yeah. in the summer and they get to come up here and uh, hang out with us. Uh, coming up a little bit later, we will hear from Arash Madani for Smart Investing Solutions and also Glenn Suter for Quality Tire. Time to break. You're listening to the Sports Cage on Rider Radio 620 CKRM. Time now for Coast to Coast with Arash Madani, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all. From Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between, this is Coast to Coast with Arash Madani. And Coast to Coast with Arash Madani is for Smart Investing Solutions. Don't guess with your money this RSP season. Call Brian Gawley at Smart Investing Solutions at 546-2533. That number again, 546-2533. Arash, 
I understand you are at the uh, women's soccer game, Canada versus the United States. Are you in Orlando at Camping World Stadium? Is that the stadium that you're at? I'm not Camping World. That's down the street. We are at Exploria Stadium, which is a soccer-only facility, Brandon. And Canada's playing U.S., and the players have just announced, the Canadian players, that they're going to be wearing purple tonight as a symbol of protest. Um, I'm not sure how many of your, how much of your audience is aware. Canada Soccer has told our women's national team, the reigning Olympic gold medalists who are in a World Cup year, who are contenders to win the World Championship, that there will be budget cuts, funding cuts to bare basics for their program this year. And the players yesterday showed up to practice and training with their jerseys inside out. And today they're going to wear, tonight they're going to wear purple. And they say purple has historically been associated with efforts to achieve gender equality. And they say, considering the current circumstances, we will continue to wear purple until our association has standards in place that ensure equal treatment and opportunity. That's pretty significant given the fact they're representing the country. Um, I'm trying to remember when a team representing Canada wore something other than red or white. This has to be like once in a generation, isn't it? You know what's amazing is when you think about the great rivalries in sport, I mean, name me a a sport, right? Like in, in tennis, it's Nadal versus Federer. In... Uh, in football, you know, think of the rivalry between the Bombers and the Riders. Think about Brazil versus Germany in men's soccer. Canada, Canada, USA, women's hockey. Canada, USA, women's soccer is right there. And yesterday, Megan Rapino, the face of USA soccer, came out in defense of her fiercest rivals. She said, we're talking about the Olympic champions here. She said to have their federation meet them this way, after winning a world championship is just bleeping wild to me. And Rapino said, we're with them all the time. So think about that, Brendan. Your rival is more on side with you than your own national sports federation. That's what's happening right now. Sounds like a gong show. Are we hearing from the Canadian Soccer Association why these cuts are so necessary at a time that it feels like the sport is going through something of a renaissance in this country. All we've heard from Canada soccer is that if the women didn't play tonight and Sinclair and company didn't, uh, that they threatened, they threatened to sue the players. So let's remember, let's just go back a few months with Canada soccer and their infinite wisdom They scheduled a friendly in Vancouver with Iran, the Islamic Republic of Iran, that shot down a passenger jet that had how many dozen Canadians on it? And the players refused to play and the public, you know, so they lost millions of dollars there. But the bigger issue here, Brendan, is that Canada Soccer has aligned itself with a separate company called Canada Soccer Business. And Canada Soccer Business gives the CSA three to four million dollars a year in exchange they get all the marketing and licensing rights and it's reportedly been 15 different corporate partners on board that money's going to the canadian soccer business not the csa and guess who's interested now on what's going on with all of this now that all of this has gotten ugly and public the standing committee on canadian heritage you're saying what's that 
those were the that's the same committee that brought all the now former Hockey Canada executives to Ottawa to testify. They're now very interested on what's happening with Canada soccer. So stay tuned. This is about to get really spicy. Just when we thought that the uh, fight with Hockey Canada um, couldn't get any worse or was going to dominate the headlines and people were calling it a disgrace, it seems like this isn't quite the same thing. Um, At all. But but, but this is something uh, that could, as soon as you get standing committees from Ottawa checking into, they start digging into discovery. Things change pretty fast, don't they? Uh, They can. They can. And follow the money, right? Look, Think about this. They're saying budget cuts in a World Cup year for it for the for the national team. Like it's appalling. It's absurd. The interest has never been higher. And and this is where it gets incredibly this is where, you know, Christine Sinclair has so much to lose. She's in the twilight of her career and she's the one stepping up and speaking. She said it's been a constant battle with the leadership of the CSA. She said we can't beat around the bush anymore. She said something has to change. And very succinctly, I guess, um, Sinclair just said, we need to get paid as much as the men. It's time we're treated like the men. Um, here's the other thing, Brendan, and let's like let's understand this. Yes, yes, the Canadian Soccer Association has threatened a lawsuit for the players if they don't play now in February. But guess what? There's only one other window before the World Cup window starts. That's in April. And the, Sinclair has been very clear. She said, if this doesn't get resolved by April, we're not playing. The rubber is going to meet the road soon. You're listening to Coast to Coast with Arash Madani for Smart Investing Solutions. Don't guess with your money this RRSP season. Call Brian Gawley at Smart Investing Solutions at 546-2533. Um, Arash, I, uh, my wife and I watched the documentary on Netflix. I don't even remember what it's called, but it's about um, FIFA and all the scandal that went on. Uh, sure during the time of, you know, Sepp Blatter's um, stewardship and, and even before him. And uh, we, we learned a lot about um, the different executives and, you know, how they just weren't really treating their players with very much respect, especially in Trinidad and Tobago. And meanwhile, they were lining their own pockets. Um, is there speculation that this story could have legs? It, it's not going to be um, quite at the same level as what's happening in the corruption in FIFA, but something very similar to that? Is this just an extension, maybe, of... Um... I don't know. I don't know. Like, I mean, that's... <laughs> I'm not going down that road, but this is what I can tell you, Brendan. These players are not just talking about themselves. They're saying... And then Janine Becky, bless her. She's flanked by Sophie Schmidt, who's 37, and Sinclair, who at 38, you know, still plays like she's 25. She, you know, Becky's like, we need to get these two out of our national team. We need to have a youth development program similar to what's happening elsewhere in the world. And Becky plays at Manchester City. She sees what goes on elsewhere. There there aren't enough resources in our youth development program either. Becky's saying and Schmidt is saying and Sinclair is saying, we have to do this now so that come 2025 and 2027, we're not sitting and having the same conversations and we're not in the same position. There needs, this is what the players are saying, that there needs to be fundamental changes in the way Canada soccer operates. Because if you want to have national teams, 
go at it at a world-class level consistently. And for generations to come, there needs to be a real structure with real budgets and no BS. Because if this is how you're treating the Olympic champions, if this is how you're treating the Olympic gold medalists, what happens when the next generation comes up and there hasn't been a good feeder system and they're not at that elite level? Uh, I know you've got a TV hit coming up right away, so we're going to let you go. But before that, just uh, quickly, if uh, if the women did not participate in the World Cup, what kind of impact would that have on the sport in our country? I mean, that's uh, let's not go down there quite yet. You know, still a hypothetical at this point. Yeah, yeah. It's let let's let saner heads prevail. I just view this right now as the biggest mark of leadership of Christine Sinclair's career. London 2012 is when she put the program on the map. And nine years later, a young girl, Julia Grosso, who had watched London 2012 and said, one day I want to be Christine Sinclair, scored the game-winning penalty for Canada win gold at the Tokyo Olympics. That's the impact Sinclair has, has had on the pitch. What she's now doing here is going to have a similar impact off the pitch for generations to come. It, it She's absolutely the captain, and she's showing why she's the leader and face of our national team program. It's a story we will continue to watch with added interest, and I'm sure we will be looking back on in months and years ahead. Arash, thanks again. You got it, Brendan. Thanks, bud. That is Rash Madani uh, for Smart Investing Solutions. Don't guess with your money this RSP season. Call Brian Gawley at Smart Investing Solutions at 546-2533. Time to break. You're listening to The Sports Cage on Rider Radio 620 CKRM. And your sports ticker at 431 here on this mighty fine Thursday. There's three games in the NBA on this Thursday. The Milwaukee Bucks look to stay hot in Chicago. The Washington Wizards are in Minnesota. And the nightcap sees the Los Angeles Clippers in the desert, in the desert rather, taking on the Phoenix Suns. There's eight games in the NHL tonight. Montreal is in Carolina. The Winnipeg Jets are on the road in Columbus. Washington hosts Florida. The juggernaut Bruins are in Nashville. The Flames welcome the Red Wings to the Saddle Dome, New Jersey, St. Louis, Philly at Seattle, and the Vegas Golden Knights. Welcome the Sharks to Sin City. Thursday CFL report, former Rough Riders receiver Justin McKinnis has found a new home on the West Coast, signing with the BC Lions. Brendan McGuire with Justin McKinnis. Was it a financial decision or did that really not play a part in it? No, that wasn't the, that wasn't the factor. Um, I, I initially wanted to go out east, um, be, close, be closer to family, but again, um, for the same reason that I chose Arkansas State over other schools, they, they just really showed interest in me and were checking on me every day and uh you know and that 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 meant something to me for sure uh for a moment at least in the summertime um you were rider fans sunshine on an otherwise cloudy day when you caught your first professional touchdown from mason fine who came in before the end of the first half against the bc lions why did last season that started out with so much promise spiral out of control the way it did have you been able to conceptualize in your mind what happened not <laughs> um i'm probably still in the same boat as everyone else trying to figure out what exactly happened um you know but again there's just a lot of things that can go wrong you know with injuries uh, we were plagued with injuries um 
sick games to COVID games to the flu games and all sorts of things played a factor in it. But, um, you know, that's, that's, that's football, though. I mean, you know, everybody, nobody wants to lose, but it, it, it unfortunately, it happens. Um, but, you know, the thing that was special about this team last year is no matter what, every, every week, everyone was coming in ready to work and, and keep fighting no matter what. Did the Rough Riders uh, show any interest in bringing you back, Justin, or was uh, it always kind of in your mind that you were going to be playing elsewhere in 2023? Um, they called me. Um, um, again, though, I, I, I was ready for, for a change. Um, I mean, I wasn't closing the door. I was still open to it. But, again, just after hearing from BC and, you know, <laughs> just hearing the tone of their voice compared to the other teams, it, it, it was pretty clear on set on who, who wanted me the most. At least that's what it felt like to me. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Brendan McGuire and Sean Kleisinger are filling in for Michael Ball on the Thursday edition of the Sports Cage. Still coming ahead in Hour 3, we'll hear from our gambling expert, Andy McNamara, checking with us. And also Glenn Souter, uh, a little later, for press coverage for Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. But right now, we go out on to the Western Pizza Hotline and are joined by the goaltender of the Regina Pats, Drew Sim. Drew, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Were you uh, were you out delivering pizzas earlier this week? I sure was. Which location? Uh, the one on University Park. Very nice. Uh, were you peppered with questions about Connor Bedard? Uh, not really. I don't think I had a single question about him. Did you sign a lot of autographs when you were out and about? Uh, not a ton. Uh, there was um, our team pictures at the location though so signed a couple there very nice outstanding a uh, couple of big games coming up this weekend you're on the road on friday night in prince albert and on saturday at home to the number one nationally ranked winnipeg ice both games will be here heard live on the voice of the regina pat 620 ckrm uh, pre-game show with the intrepid reporter dante decaria at 6 35 p.m uh, do you know if you'll be starting both games yet uh, I'm not sure about the Winnipeg game, but I know I'm starting Friday night. You guys were down in eighth place not long ago and very close to being on the outside looking in for a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. As we sit here today, uh, your Regina Pats sit in the number six seed, and if the playoffs were to start tomorrow, you'd go against the Saskatoon Blades. Is there a team in that top four that you've thought about you match up better against than anybody else for that first round uh, playoff matchup? We're only a month and a bit away, so we can speculate already. Uh, I think our only goal is to not run into Winnipeg because uh, they play exactly like us, just at a little bit of a higher level and a lot more skill with the trades and moves they made uh, the last month or two. But um, we haven't really thought about matchups, just Winnipeg's the only one we really don't want. Um, Our goal is to get in and hopefully get a Red Deer or Saskatoon, or if we go on a little bit of a run here, uh, get Moose Jaw, um, and then hopefully win around. 
Regina Pats goalie Drew Sim joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dine in, take out, or delivery. Get it hot, get it fast from Western Pizza. Yeah, so tomorrow night, Drew, you're in Prince Albert at the Art Hauser Center. And I saw earlier today the Prince Albert Raiders uh, tweeted that uh, tomorrow night's game is a sellout. What's the Art Hauser Center like when uh, that p- place is full? Uh, it's a rocking barn. Um, when I was 15, I got to uh, witness it in the finals with Vancouver and the atmosphere they had. I think there was three rows of milk crates behind the actual seats. So that place, uh, everything's right on top of you, and uh, they're loud fans, and they're not afraid to let you hear about it. So uh, it's a fun place to play. And Saturday night's game under the orange top at the Brand Center is a special one as well because it's the Cancer Awareness Night for the Regina Pats. All the net proceeds from the auction will go towards the Cancer Foundation of Saskatchewan. And uh, so the jerseys are designed by 22 Fresh. I'm looking at them right now. Nice looking uh, black jersey with some purple in it. And so I, I click into it and I'm looking at the list of the jerseys right now. And Drew Sims jersey number 33 currently is sitting at 500 Twenty-five dollars on the old uh, web box. So, what do you think of that? We gotta get that up there. You know, five twenty-five. That's good, but it's not good enough for a Drew Sim jersey. Am I right? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I uh, I had some. I've had some family members that have uh, had cancer before, so um, my parents were planning on buying this one. So, yeah. I don't mind if it stays low. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and we remember a few weeks back the SpongeBob SquarePants jerseys. Connor Bedard's jersey, I think, went for over $13,000. Right now, Connor's jersey is at uh, 2225 So hopefully that can uh, boost it up because, like I said, money's going towards cancers so uh you can check it out right now 32auctions.com do you get a little more juiced up when you you know that you're going to be wearing a special themed jersey because you know i i know players in professional sports they get amped up when they wear either alternates or retros i mean it's not often that you get to wear different types of threads uh yeah for sure uh no one wants to come out and disappoint in a uh, theme night, so I think it just adds a little bit of an extra boost to everyone to uh, do a little things a little bit better and uh, just kind of elevate their game a little bit. You alluded to the fact that you don't want to play Winnipeg, or probably nobody wants to play Winnipeg in the first round. Um, they had a pretty good program, and uh, they've really mortgaged the future. Like They've really gone all in on this season. Having said that... Um, do you get excited for a game like Saturday's because that's a measuring stick of how you can do against the best because you have an opportunity to beat the best and if you beat the best, you know you can beat anybody who stands in your way between now and the end of the season. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I think two or three weeks ago we set a goal for ourselves. We want to go uh, five, at least 500 against the uh, teams ahead of us in the standings, so they're one of them, and they're going to be a tough battle every time we play them. But I think we got them twice more here, kind of pretty close together. And uh, for sure, those will be good measuring sticks to uh, see where we line up against uh, the best team in the country. Aside from the return of Connor Bedard coming back from the World Juniors, this team seems to have a little more pep in its step in the month of February. Um, I don't know if the bigger crowds that we're seeing at the Brant Center play into that. Um, I'm hearing we're expecting regular sellouts from here to the end of the season. Are there any other reasons aside from the return of Connor Bedard why this team has 
maybe upped its game in the last couple of weeks? Uh, for sure, he's a big influence on it. Uh, he, he just dominates at this level, like you see every night. But um, I think it's starting to creep into our minds that uh, we think we can do something here when uh, we have a full lineup. Obviously, uh, missing a 20-year-old right now who's a big key piece for our uh, puzzle. And uh, Sam Aremba has been flying. He's elevated his game recently. And there's no better time for guys to be elevating their game than right now, uh, heading down the stretch. Um, the better we play through that, the better chance we give ourselves to uh, come out of the first round with a win. I'm one of those geeks that like to go on Ticketmaster and start counting the blue dots to see how many tickets are left for sale at certain sporting events. And I do it all the time for Pats games, especially when it's getting close to a, uh, close to a sellout. What's it do for a goaltender like yourself, Drew Sim, when uh, you're in net between the pipes, you look up and you see a sold-out barn under the orange top? Uh, it's really cool. Um, I think just for myself, uh, I like playing in front of lots of people. Um, some about it just helps me um, shut my mind off and uh, just be able to take everything out and just focus on my game and what I need to do. Um, I like to play a calm, composed game, so I think just having that element of, okay, full building, take it in for a moment, breathe, and then away you go. Not that doesn't matter anymore. Just focus on uh, one shot at a time. Uh, I had the privilege of broadcasting the first game of the season on Access. See, normally in the fall they have trouble finding broadcasters um, because all the good ones are taken doing football. So they go to their um, second string, third string, fourth string, fifth string broadcaster. And I got to do the opening night game against the Moose Jaw Warriors. And I remember the narrative was um, Coach Paddock had said that the number one goaltending job was open and up for grabs. Uh, make Maybe take us through what that was like coming into training camp not being assured you'd be the number one and then having to win the number one job? Uh, I think it did nothing but good for me. Um, he told me and uh, Matthew Keeper at the end of last year that he was going to be bringing in some competition um, due to us not being uh, subpar last year. And uh, we talked a lot through the summer and uh, really put onus on ourselves to find a way to come back and be a lot better for the guys in front of us. Um so it did nothing but good for me to have that extra motivation to come into camp and really impress and really show that I do belong in this league and I can play a number one role in this league. And, uh, yeah, this, it was obviously respect to all the goalies that uh, I was battling with. Uh, we all fought hard, but um, I'm definitely happy I'm still here. Not a lot of junior players. I shouldn't say not a lot. There are a lot of ex-NHL coaches at the WHL level. Um, but not all junior players get to play for somebody who has the experience of a John Paddock. This is someone who traded Tamu Solani for crying out loud. He's been through a lot of wars as a general manager, as a head coach, etc. Is that his niche, just being direct with you? Is, is, is that kind of the hallmark of John Paddock? Uh, 100%. Uh, ever since I got here, he's been very straight up and to the point with me and what he wants and what he expects out of me. So um, I like that. I don't I don't want you to blow smoke up my rear end. I'm a very straightforward guy. Tell me how it is and how you feel. And, uh, yeah, I 100% think the niche. Uh, he's not afraid to call you out or even sit you down and say, hey, you've been really good. Keep it up. Um, so, yeah, just the experience he brings to this hockey club is 
with us being a little bit younger of a team, uh, a little bit master, but still a little young. Um, he helps bring that kind of niche to help our young guys kind of fit in and adjust to the league. Hey, Drew, tell Pats fans uh, the way it is for Drew Sim on a game day. Is Drew Sim superstitious? Do you have to wear the same undies? Do you have to wear the same uh, socks? Uh, is the same food, maybe? Same drink? Anything like that? Uh, I, try not, I try my best not to be superstitious. Um, I learned that the hard way. I think what well, I think it was my debut. We showed up to Kamloops at about 8 o'clock for a 7 o'clock game, so uh, you really had to switch up your routine or superstitions there, but I try my best not to be superstitious. Um, it's in, in Alberta, I think I end up wearing the same suit to every game, though. Uh, there's little things like that that I do every once in a while, but other than that, uh, I try my best to eat the same pregame every day, and then other than that, I just kind of just go with it and relax, kind of keep a lot of normalcy in my day, and then just run through my routine. And hey, man, happy early birthday to you. I see your birthday's coming up here on Family Day Monday, turning 20 years old. So uh, hopefully you can get a couple wins on Friday, Saturday, heading into uh, your 20-year-old birthday. Thank you. Yeah, that would be awesome to head into it with one or two wins. Thank you, my friend. A good a good birthday party for sure. We'll end it on that. Drew Sim, thank you so much, and uh, good luck this weekend. Both games can be heard on 620 CKRM, uh, Friday night in Prince Albert, and then Saturday night at home to the Winnipeg Ice. Pre-game show at 635 and puck drop at 7 p.m. Thanks, Drew. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks for having me on. All right. That is Regina Pat's goalie, Drew Sim. A uh, product from Tees, Alberta, who uh, played with the Vancouver Giants early in his career and uh, was on a Giants team that went to Prince Albert and played Game 7 of the WHL Finals. I remember listening to it online, and it was an amazing finish, and it got really good ratings, I'm told, on a Vancouver radio station. So that would have been a pretty cool experience, too. Uh, we're going to take a break. Coming up in Hour 3, our gambling expert, Andy McNamara, and also Glenn Suter with his Thursday check-in. You're listening to The Sports Cage on Rider Radio 620 CKRM. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Coming up on Friday's program of the Sports Cage, we'll hear from Rider Radio analyst Daniela Ponticelli. Hear what she thinks about the Riders getting off the Cody Fajardo roller coaster. I was trying to think of a better word, but I think that's probably an appropriate one given his tenure in Regina and also Luke Mullinder in studio. Haven't corralled him in a while and it will be great to chat with uh, color analyst Luke Mullinder on these two weeks where his play-by-play partner Michael Ball is away. Coming up on this edition of the program, Andy McNamara in Hour 3, our gambling expert and also Glenn Suter uh, with his regular Thursday check-in. We just had Drew Sim, the Regina Pats goaltender, uh, before the break, and uh, I forgot to mention, he's on a five-game win streak. Yeah. Hasn't lost a start since uh, going back to just looking at his uh, game-by-game stats. A long time uh, hasn't, ago. Hasn't registered a loss uh, going all the way back to, um, just while I double-check it here, and uh, 
Okay, maybe I read that a little bit wrong. He's won three of his last four. So Drew Sim. Either uh, way, he's playing he's, pretty good he's hockey. He's playing good right hockey, now. and I'm hearing that he is uh, one of the reasons why the Pats are having a good February going three, one and one in their last five games. And I, tr- and, I truly believe, too, that the crowds that the Pats have been getting at the Brand Center has to have something to do with it because doesn't don't you think that would give the players a bit more, I don't know, juice? Playing in front of six thousand fans almost well, you every tell night. Me you've played sports. Would you? Uh, I've, never, are you more? I've never played in front of six thousand people, but, but you, I, you, I've played in front of packed Kinsman arenas and uh, Hamilton arenas. But even high school football, high school you played football. at Taylor Field, and uh, you're telling me it didn't mean a little bit more oh, yeah, if did. you had. Yep. You know, I don't know what crowds you get. Maybe a thousand. Yeah. Uh, compared to a hundred. Being like, we got a keep buying those tickets, keep going out there watching our boys play, and hopefully they can come back uh, to Regina. They're playing a Prince Albert team that's 20-28-3-0 tomorrow, and they're second last place in the Eastern Conference, so I don't want to jinx anything here, but this is a game tomorrow night that the Regina Pats should win, and if they do win, well, man, I don't want to say we're getting close to Lethbridge in the standings, still 11 points yeah, behind Lethbridge. I don't know. Let's, let's just try to solidify and lock down that sixth spot in the standings. I, I, I think a Regina-Saskatoon series could be a lot of fun Yeah, yeah. for everybody. You can chime in through Twitter at SportsCage or on the Capital GMC Buick Cadillac text line uh, 306-936-6262 or call us toll-free at 1-866-767-0620. Uh, yesterday, when we had the opportunity to chat with the new quarterback, Trevor Harris, uh, he was telling us that the Kean Schaefer-Baker thing was in the back of his mind, the fact that his NFL window was closing, and uh, once free agency opened, technically, that's when the door closes. You can't sign with an NFL team if you're already under contract um, with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I'd have to think he was a bit of a drawing card, and I do wonder if maybe that's what pushed it over the edge for him to come to Saskatchewan. Trevor Harris? Uh, for Trevor Harris, yes. Oh, absolutely. Having Kean Schaefer-Baker. Absolutely. So if, if, he's, if he's not going to return, then Because they're receiving know. core. I don't know, man. Like, uh, you, you know... Um, Coach Dickinson says there's a lot of guys who you just don't know about, like Tevin Jones. Nobody's talking about him. He showed flashes. And a couple of years ago, nobody had ever heard of Kean Schaefer-Baker. And there was a point when nobody had ever heard of Eugene Lewis. Stars emerge. Yeah. I saw, and they're going to need that on the receiving core. Like, Everywhere else, you think, okay, I see what you're doing here. Well, like, let's say Schaefer-Baker's back in the green and white. I don't think the receiving core is as bad as some people might like think of it. Braden Lenius, Schaefer-Baker... If Tevin Jones gets more opportunities, that guy... If Mitch Pickton's healthy. Yeah, Mitch Pickton, you know. We got Sean Bain Jr., uh, Jawan Breskison. Like, that's a pretty Bres- sol- solid... I know he didn't have great numbers last year. I know I know all, but, like, that's a pretty... I mean, it's not... You don't see a game-breaker, quote-unquote game-breaker, like we automatically think of Duke Williams back in his days in Edmonton when he was putting up huge numbers, and we kind of expected that when he was with the Riders. We expected, you know, Shaq Evans to have repeats of his 2019 campaign. We don't have any of those type of receivers, but like, I think Brayden Lenius and I think Schaefer Baker, if they're given the opportunity to, which they will be, obviously, they can be on that level as well. Kind of feels like they've decided to spend their money in different areas because they're saying, we spent money on the receiving core last year. 
and it didn't really do anything for us. No. And same with linebacker, right? Last year, they had one of the greatest, some argued maybe the greatest linebacking core in the Canadian Football League with uh, Darnell Sankey, Larry Dean, Derek Moncrief. Yeah. That's a pretty stacked linebacking core. What to do for him, yeah. and and I think that I leads. Think we know what it did. Well, well, and that that I think that's what led to the decision that Sankey just wasn't a fit here. And Sankey is commanding a lot of money on the open market, although I think he's taking less in the XFL. He he would uh, have to be. Yeah, and he and and listen, he deserved. It. He had a great year. I mean, I was really impressed with him. He said all the right things. Uh, never whined, never complained about. Um, like Emmett Smith one year said he felt like a diamond surrounded by trash. You never heard any of that from Darnell Sankey. Um, but the reality is they're heavily invested at that position. You got to respect that, though, from the riders. You know, it didn't work out last year. So going into this year, you got to respect how they're putting the money elsewhere, different position uh, or the money at different positions elsewhere, because that's not happening across the league. You look out west in Edmonton. From the outside looking in, it's kind of like, okay, they're doing the exact same thing as they did a year ago. They threw big money at a big-time receiver. Last year it was Kenny, Kenny Lawler. Lawler. This year yeah. it's this year it's uh, Geno Lewis, who we had on in hour one. So from the outside looking in, it's kind of looking like, you know, they sucked last year, Edmonton, and they're kind of doing the same type of thing. Us, you know, money offensive line, money here, money there, a little bit different uh, track. you got to respect that from Jeremy O'Day. I mean, as a fan, you don't want to – you know, stay status quo and do the same thing. So um, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Let's just see how it plays out. You know what I mean? Do you feel me? I think, uh, yeah, I feel you. I think the, um, I think this was a very stressful few weeks Oh yeah, for the management. When we were in on that press conference yesterday, uh, Jeremy O'Day came in and I, I didn't want to sound rude. I was going to say, did you sleep last night? Like he looked bushed. Mm-hmm. And what I should have said is, hey, you look fantastic, but you look tired. <laughs> like white and as a ghost we're talking? Like no, just sleeping. Bags under the eyes yeah. like I do consistently every single yeah. day. Yeah, you could tell he's been working and probably worrying. Yeah, And I, I don't think this could have gone any better than it has. We don't know that Trevor Harris is an upgrade over Cody Fajardo. There are some in Montreal who are you that think, the Alouettes got the better of the swap? I think, paying I think it's safe to, to say that Trevor Harris is an upgrade. Okay, like, you're saying that. I'm not, say. I'm, not, I'm not drawing that conclusion yet. And we have to remember that the Rough Riders are almost certainly, we, we've seen the salary numbers on Harris. Uh, million dollars over two years is what's been reported. Fajardo, I haven't seen any of the salary numbers. But I think it's safe to assume that it's a lot less than what Trevor Harris is getting. But if nothing else, even if Trevor Harris is not an upgrade over Cody Fajardo, it gets them off the roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying Trevor Harris is like the next coming of Doug Flutie, but all I'm saying is you give Cody Fajardo whatever, 10 straight years of starting in the Canadian Football League. I think uh, Trevor Harris's first year starting was around 2015-ish. Anyways, if you give Cody Fajardo that length of time to be a starting quarterback, there's no way that he's going to have the same type of numbers, in my opinion, that Trevor Harris has put up. You, why? Because... He's not as good at throwing the football. He's not a pure thrower of the football compared to Trevor Harris. He cannot throw the deep ball. He doesn't have the strength behind it. The only thing that really a part of his game that he has over Trevor Harris is his scrambling ability. And really, That could be a curse as much as a blessing. Really, that, that's it. That's it. So I think, bar none, it's an upgrade. I'm not saying that Trevor Harris is the best quarterback of all time, but when you compare him to Cody Fajardo... I mean, I, in my opinion, I don't think it's relatively close. 
306-936-6262. That's the Capital GMC Buick Cadillac text line. You can call toll-free at 1-866-767-0620 or tweet us at SportsCage is the handle. Time to break. You're listening to the Sports Cage on Rider Radio 620 CKRM. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Brendan McGuire. I love how they make it sound like a showdown. <laughs> a cage match in the octagon. Hell in a cell. Still ahead in Hour 3, we are going to hear from Glenn Suter on his uh, regular Thursday check-in and... Uh, I might throw a few curveballs at Glenn. Glenn wants to touch on the controversy of people being worried about Canadian Football League players going down south to play in the XFL. Oh, these other leagues. And and if that is a true threat or not to the Canadian Football League. Well, the Riders' best linebacker last year has uh, chosen to play in Arlington over uh, CFL. but. Go well, play with the Arlington again, Renegades in front of three people. Have well, fun. Well, and I, I, I don't want to be derogatory to anybody who wants to play closer to home. In your profession, you might take a pay cut to be in Regina than have to move to yeah, Alaska. No, I'm just being an else. idiot. That's what I do. You're a good fit. Uh, yeah. Joining <laughs> You can join in on the discussion. Uh, at Sports Cage is the Twitter handle. Don't forget. The Capital GMC Buick Cadillac text line will take your questions at 306-936-6262 or call us toll-free at 1-866-767-0620. But right now, we go out onto the Western Pizza Hotline and check in with our gambling expert, Andy McNamara. Andy, we were debating off-air, although I know it doesn't matter. Where are you based out of? Uh, I'm based an hour east of Toronto. Okay. Southern Ontario. Say no more. An hour east. Yeah, okay. that's right. Well, and, and I got to say, guys, uh, look, we might all not be Arlington Renegades fans in the XFL, but how about some San Antonio Brahmas? Oh, Let's yeah. Go. The Rock's <laughs> going to be cool. there. Brahma Bulls. That's right. Vegas Vipers. Let's go. I, I will have you. Sea Dragons, Andy. Seattle Sea Dragons. Come on. Slap the orange and oh. green on, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will have you That's both great. know that my wife and I attended the last ever home game for the Orlando Apollos of the Alliance of American Football <laughs> against the Arizona Hotshots, and it was their only loss of their existence. I'm what so a garbage jealous. league that was. That was an absolute trade. Were you guys the only ones there? Could you just like walk? Did they let you play? You're like, hey, you want to you play? We were close to the action, and the guy sitting next to us didn't pay for his tickets. He got in That's because phenomenal. he was an ex-Marine, and there was maybe 12,000 people. I don't know how many paid. We paid full price. I'm just really, really happy that they didn't fold like a week sooner because by the sounds of it, we would have been among the, I don't know, hundreds of creditors trying to get money back from the Oh, uh, yeah. You were never seeing that money back, ever. <laughs> that was gone. That so, money was gone. But you know what? There were some players that came out of that. Uh, Dearness Johnson got, went to the Browns, got a little NFL career. So they had a little, little sprinkling of guys who moved around. 
Oh yeah, no, no, I don't want to belittle those leagues. I, I, I don't, um, I don't think it's productive in any way, shape, or form to um, belittle anybody who's trying to start a new enterprise or who comes up with a new idea. I do. Um, I love it. I, I, I belittle them. I, I, yeah, I, but, 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 but I do believe that some of the hysteria around the Canadian Football League and their fans about players drifting south is a little over the top because you know these leagues haven't proven that they can be sustained over any lengthy period of time. So we'll. See how that all uh, pans out. I know that a lot of the gambling industry is tied to football, and in particular the National Football League. And at this time of year, there are no games to be played. There's still a lot of stuff that people can gamble on, though, isn't there? Like futures, uh, futures deals, like who's going to win the Super Bowl next year, etc. Oh my yes, gentlemen, this, this is great because now this is where if you get lucky, this is where we can make some hay. Like, this is where you can jump in and, okay, let's say you go with the, the, the favorite right now for next year's Super Bowl chance. Well, I'm looking on the DraftKings Sportsbook. It are the Chiefs, obvious, plus 600. Buffalo Bills second, plus 700. 49ers third, Eagles fourth. But let's say you're like, hey, you know what? Dallas Cowboys, I'm getting a feeling. Or the Cincinnati Bengals. You're getting plus money into the thousands. So, you know, you can strike right now. And before the teams play, before the draft, before free agency, and if you're right, this is where you usually can make the most uh, on your buck uh, for those futures bets. So there are good odds if you bet on the Cincinnati Bengals because I feel like they're a legit contender with uh, with a guy who's playing quarterback. Amen. Uh, they are the fifth, fifth favorite right now. Chiefs, Bills, Niners, Eagles, Bengals, then Cowboys. And Ravens, get out of here. Ravens, come on. Well, Lamar Jackson's not even going to play there. Get out of here. And then the Chargers after that. My poor Browns, plus 4,000, gentlemen. Not good. Oh, I would not let it. I would not put a dollar on that one. I wouldn't. Andy, what are the odds that Aaron Rodgers makes it out of the darkness okay? Probably <laughs> <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. My goodness. Just, you know, he should just go ahead and tax me to go into the banner, his reboot, with his greasy hair, whatever, right? He looks look great. Um, there's odds right now again, on the DraftKings Sportsbook. Right but NFL team, Aaron Rodgers will take his next regular season snap. And the leader in the clubhouse has lost these readers, which I think is interesting. Joining us on the line is uh, Andy McNamara. Andy, we're going to disconnect and we're going to try and call you back and get a better connection. Um, but he is on the Western Pizza hotline, dine-in, take-out, or delivery. Get it hot, get it fast from Western Pizza. Trying to get a good hold on what the gambling lines are on some of these future bets, particularly on the National Football League, which always seems to be the most popular sport for people to gamble on. And... I think of some dark horse bets that could be available. The Denver Broncos, to me, are a team that could be a real wild card. And I know we have Andy back now. And I was just mentioning, Andy, that the uh, Denver Broncos uh, are a tire fire in many different ways, especially this charity scandal that I think, and that sounds like a much better connection, that charity scandal has real potential to explode spectacularly in Russell Wilson's face and the Denver Broncos' face. However, having said all that, they could strike lightning in a bottle here, and I would think that someone betting on the Denver Broncos to win the Super Bowl would have pretty good odds for the payout. Well, you're absolutely right. DK, the DraftKings Sportsbook guys, plus 15,000. 15K. Let's go. Let's put a tenner on it. Let's come on. You know, put put a Wilfred Laurier on it. Let's go. Plus 15,000. I, I think you guys are right. 
Because look, you got Sean Payton there. On paper, like, we have to figure this out. Did Russell Wilson all of a sudden just completely fall off the cliff and is no longer capable of playing quarterback at a high level? Um, perhaps. Or maybe it was that he had a horrendous head coach, not even one and done, in Nathaniel Hackett. You have a no-nonsense guy who's won it and will demand and command respect in Sean Payton. You have all the pieces around you. Now, you upgrade a bit on that defense. You get the offensive weapons are there. Definitely, you you got a shot. You know what? I think you talked me into that. Plus 15,000 is actually pretty good. And you'll share royalty with me too, right? When, when you cash in. Right. We, no, it's on course, air. Of course. We've got it recorded. It's on, it's on air. When I cash in, I put my, I rarely bet more than $5, gentlemen. So, you know, it won't be that much, but uh, maybe, maybe a premium beer. How about that? We'll get like one of the uh, import ones. You're yes. on. Hey, Andy, going back a few minutes ago, you were breaking up a bit. I'm just going back to my Aaron Rodgers point. What are the odds right now for where Mr. Rodgers will play next year? Is it Vegas? Is it the Jets? you got to believe that probably in the lead is the Packers. But after that, what is it? Well, so here's the funny thing. Uh, the Raiders are the favorites oh in the clubhouse right now. Minus 250. So you're, you're not even making money. Wow. You, you, you know, the next favorite are the Jets at plus 250. The Packers are actually third at plus 300. And then the Commanders after that, then it just starts getting ridiculous. Um, but the Packers are actually the third favorite to get Aaron Rodgers. And with the Raiders, man, like, I don't know. I, I It just seems like that's a bit rich for... Mark Davis, who, you know, when I say they're not poor in the sense of that they're, they're going to be going hungry, but Mark Davis and Mike Brown are, I believe, the only two owners left in the NFL, Mike Brown for the Bengals, who make their money solely off of football. Everyone else is like an oil tycoon or, you know, tech guy or something like that. These guys make their money off of football, and that's why they said Josh McDaniels probably isn't going anywhere for a while because they can't afford to keep firing and paying off coaches. So I don't know if the Raiders would be able to handle that type of contract. I certainly wouldn't be placing any money on it. Well, you mentioned that that's the one reason why I don't think Rodgers is going to Vegas. I don't. I can't picture a scenario where he's playing under Josh McDaniels. I don't, I just don't feel like that is a a thing. But I could be wrong. I think that's kind of outrageous, though, that uh, the Packers are third in the list when, in reality, they should be. They should be the favorites. I'm not just saying that because I'm a Packers so. fan, but uh, that's bonkers, man. Well, well, the, the thing is, too, think about this. Uh, Josh McDaniels didn't get along with Derek Carr because Derek Carr had a little bit of a backbone. By all accounts, he's a very agreeable man. Mm-hmm. And Josh McDaniels drove him to be like, bleep this, I'm out of here, I'm doing what I want. So you're getting, a in comparison, a very docile, nice fella compared to Aaron Rodgers who's in the darkness. You think he's going to be taking instructions? From Josh McDaniels. I don't think so. No. It's a terrible fit. Horrible fit. Horrible fit. Plus 300 on the Packers right now. I think that's a smart bet. I think him to stay when it's all said and done. Why not? Well, I mean, I'll I'll believe that just because I heard it from you. I mean, my initial reaction yeah. to that was Zinger's looking at this through cheese-colored glasses, but that makes right. sense. So, so while we're on that topic, uh, what about Derek Carr? What about mm-hmm. um? What, what what are the best odds? Do we have the best odds for landing spots for Derek Carr? We sure do, guys. DraftKings Sportsbook, you, you got it right there. So here's here's the favorites. I'll give you the top uh, five here. Favorites: New Orleans Saints plus two fifty, mm-hmm. still plus money. The Jets after that, interesting. Tampa Bay and Indianapolis. 
So those are the, and then Carolina Panthers after that. The Buccaneers are fascinating because really, when you look at that NFC South, couldn't you kind of make an argument that you know all the teams could kind of use a quarterback? Yeah, <laughs> you know? like. You the, whole division any needs of them a, the whole division needs hey, an upgrade. During Pro yeah. Bowl week, I remember Derek Carr saying, you know, I want to go somewhere where I can go to a Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. And New Orleans, like, the only bowl that you win in there is a toilet bowl. You're not going to win anything in New Orleans. So, like, no. how, how in God's green earth is that the favor favorite? Well, Come on. Well, we like, we have to think with that division. Tampa Bay won it under 500. Yeah. Disgusting. Right, Carolina's right there, too. You know, the Falcons... I don't know if they're going to solely ride with Desmond Ritter. I really like Desmond Ritter coming out, but the pieces around him are going to have to get better. I do like him in Atlanta, but depends on the They'll be one and done in the playoffs, so just like any other oh, team sure. in that division. 100%. Whoever wins that division, it's, it's done. Absolutely, you're right. So then you look at, I wonder if the Jets go, because we're going to see tears with this, right? Whoever doesn't get Aaron Rodgers and was in the Aaron Rodgers hunt truly, then you go to the next level. And who's the next level? It's Derek Carr. Then you get into the Jimmy Garoppolo phase and, you know, going around in that and those circles. Yeah, hard to say. I mean, but that, that's what makes the National Football League interesting. And, and in some ways, it makes the CFL interesting, too, is the musical chairs that happens at quarterback. And in the NFL, it's maybe more entertaining just because they have 32 franchises and different quarterbacks right. can find uh, different seats. But actually, yeah, the New Orleans thing does kind of intrigue me because they've got Dennis Allen, a good defensive mind. And I never thought about it this way, but you're right, Andy. The, uh, the NFC South is ripe for the picking for anybody who goes down there. I have a really tough time envisioning the Indianapolis Colts going with, uh, what, another, I don't want to say washed up, but older quarterback. That would be, what, five years in a row? Oh, my gosh. Um, how yeah. How has the line gone? I mean, it was um, uh, this year, uh, uh, the number one guy was Matt Ryan. The year before, yep. it was Carson Wentz. Before that, it was Philip Rivers. And before that, I can't even remember. I'm going Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett. And before that, they had Andrew Luck, etc. Hey, listen, time is always our enemy. This has been great. We can't wait to do it again next week. Thanks for this, Andy. Absolutely. And we'll talk again soon. All right, guys. Have a good one. Talk to you soon. See ya, man. That is our sports cage gambling expert, Andy Mack, joining us from an hour east of Toronto, as he pointed out on the Western Pizza Hotline. All guests appearing on the Western Pizza Hotline. Uh, dine in, take out, or delivery. Get it hot, get it fast from Western Pizza. Still ahead on this edition of the program, we will do our edition of press coverage with Glenn Suter. You're listening to the Sports Cage on Rider Radio 620 CKRM. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Brendan McGuire and Sean Kleisinger filling in for Michael Ball. Uh, still ahead on this edition of the Sports Cage press coverage with Glenn Suter will talk about what does it really mean for the CFL to lose players down to the XFL or the USFL? Should we get all panicked about this? Could this cause, I don't want to say a brain drain, but a talent drain for the CFL? And it takes a while before you really start to notice that because the veteran players, you'll notice for the most part, Stay. Mm-hmm. They don't go fool around with these other leagues. I mean, that Darnell Sankey's maybe, I, I would say he's more the exception than the rule. But the issue with these other leagues is the fact that they can spin you out a lot faster. And um, you know what? Who knows that, you, I, that you're that you even going to get paid, too? Like, 
With we, some how of many them. times have well, we seen it? These leagues, they just close up shop and nobody gets their money. Well, I, you know, I, I hear good things about the USFL. A lot of the money is coming from the uh, broadcast partner, Fox. Same with the XFL as well, yeah. Right. Um, but I have way more faith in the USFL than the what they're doing with the XFL. In the XFL, it just seems like a lot of the same rhetoric we heard when they set up shop way back in 2001. Or was it 2000? Yeah, 2001. Yeah. And then um, Vince McMahon brought it back with a lot of the same rhetoric, but this time we're going to be less gimmicky. And that didn't last. Uh, the Alliance of American Football, they don't seem to pick a lane. And I think the same thing is happening with the XFL. Are we trying to appeal to hardcore football fans or are we trying to appeal to WWF fans? And nobody really knows. Well, at least, at least the XFL, they're playing their home games in their respective cities. Like, for example, St. Louis, they're playing their home games in St. Louis. You know, Vegas, they're playing their home games in Vegas. United States Football League, they're still taking the approach of having a couple hubs. Yeah, and but but you know what it works for them because you got to remember there's a lot of cost to flying guys all over the country. Doesn't work for the people watching at home though. Just you're you're talking about like the um energy in the stadium. Yeah. There's no energy. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, the USFL um, is a fan that basically has, Dave Naylor said this best, the TSN Insider, it's basically a league that has no fans, but they have a partnership with a network that's willing to float it for now. But eventually, that runs dry if they don't have the viewership. If you're putting a USFL game on primetime Sunday night, it has to get really good ratings I mean, think of for, it. It to, for it to be competitive with all the other programming. Think of it. you got the San Antonio Brahmas taking on the Vegas Vipers in front of a sold-out crowd, 30,000 people. And at the same time, you got a United States football game playing between the Michigan Panthers and uh, so are, are the are New Jersey Generals. Are, are, and nobody's in the crowd. Which game are you going to... Watch. Are are the games overlapping on the schedule? I haven't looked at that. Uh, I, I suspect they are. I I don't really care about these two leagues enough to know. To be honest with you, I used to care about these spring leagues, but like, I feel dirty even giving them pub right now. To be honest with you, but uh, I I think I could be wrong. I think the United States Football League uh, their season is a will start a little. Uh, further down the road than the XFL, I could be wrong than uh, wrong on that, but I think I think that if a young athlete wants to have longevity in their career, I think even if these pop up leagues last for a little bit, I don't think that they're built for longevity. They're built for get in, get out, get another crack at the NFL. The CFL is built a little bit better if you want to have a five or ten year career, even mm -hmm. an American player. Yeah. No, yeah, I was just looking to see if I could get a start date on the USFL, but uh looks like I don't have that quite yet. Or look, yeah, week 1, week 1 April 15th. So yes, it is further down the road compared to the XFL, so they won't be overlapping as much as I thought. I I I don't see the networks funding this long term, and we saw this problem when the XFL came out the first time when Dick Ebersol and NBC were so excited to be a part of this because they had just lost the National Football League and they wanted something to move the needle. And Dick Ebersol said halfway through the first season, he was like, these were record lows for ratings for primetime television. And it's very expensive. Football is an incredibly expensive sport to fund and operate. And these leagues rely solely on what they get 
from the networks, you know, Fox or whoever's going to do the contract. Look at the Canadian Football League. It actually gets some decent ratings on ESPN2, like low-level, low-tier networks, and they can't squeeze the networks for any money so far. So I find it very hard to believe that Fox is going to continue to write this check for $50 million, $100 million, whatever it is. NBC as well. On a regular basis. I feel like they are piloting something, but pilots can only go for so long. And I don't view any of these leagues as a long-term threat. I think when Roger Goodell told somebody in the CFL office that they had run a study that says there's not room for a second pro football league in the United States, he wasn't lying. And that's why the NFL folded NFL Europe and is more than happy to prop up the CFL, which they've done um, on more than one occasion. We've got to take the time out. Uh, When we come back, press coverage with Glenn Suter. It's a Thursday edition of the Sports Cage on Rider Radio 620 CKRM. 531 with your sports ticker, and it's for Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. You can catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialists. There's eight games in the National Hockey League tonight. Montreal is in Carolina. The Winnipeg Jets are on the road in Columbus. Washington hosts the Florida Panthers. The Juggernaut Bruins are in Nashville. The Flames welcome the Red Wings to the Saddle Dome, New Jersey, St. Louis, Philly at Seattle and the Vegas Golden Knights welcome the Sharks to Sin City. The NHLPA has appointed U.S. Secretary of Labor Marty Walsh as its new executive director, the union announced on Thursday. That's your NHL news. In the association, there's three games in the NBA on this Thursday. The Milwaukee Bucks look to stay hot in Chicago. And the Washington Wizards are in Minnesota. And the nightcap sees the Los Angeles Clippers in the desert taking on the Phoenix Suns. Other news in the NBA, the Boston Celtics have named Joe Mazzula their full-time head coach removing the interim tag with a contract extension in place. Chat is for the Canadian Brew House. You can head to the CBH for the best St. Patrick's Day party in town. And you can enter in to win a trip to Ireland. How cool would that be? The Pats have called up 2006-born forward Rain Zicardius from the Saskatoon Blazers under-18 AAA program. In 43 games this season with the Blazers, Zacharias has 20 goals and 43 assists. Regina will hit the ice tomorrow after almost a full week off in the Art Hauser Center. And Prince Albert will be the spot on Friday. The Pats will be back at the Brand Center on Saturday when the juggernaut Winnipeg Ice roll into town. And it will be a very special night in store this weekend as it will be the Cancer Awareness Game with the Pats set to wear some special themed jerseys designed by 22 Fresh. And those jerseys are up for bid right now with the net proceeds from the auction going towards the Cancer Foundation of Saskatchewan, the fundraising partner of the Saskatchewan Cancer Agency. The auction began online yesterday and will close during the game on Saturday at 8 p.m. And Connor Bedard's jersey has a bid of over $2,000 and counting as it stands right now. So you can place your bids on 32auctions.com slash Pat's Cancer Awareness. Thursday's Pat Yet. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second or long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it out of bounds. 
time for press coverage as former writer greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Rider Nation. And press coverage with Glenn Suter is for Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan. QualityTire.ca Glenn? Now that the uh, CFL Free Agent Derby is over, we saw a very relieved-looking Jeremy O'Day yesterday down at the stadium. He looked like he hadn't slept, but uh, they got through all the moves, and the dust has settled. And now some of the talk has moved over to the launch of the XFL on Saturday. They will open the curtain on their first season since before the pandemic. Back in 2020, uh, we saw one free agent, Darnell Sankey, choose to go to the XFL over the Canadian Football League. We had Gino Lewis on a little bit earlier who admits, yeah, I thought, thought about it. And so it is inevitable that thoughts will spring up about what does this mean for the Canadian Football League and its ability to recruit talent. Do you feel like those worries are founded? Yeah, no, not at all. Not at all. And, and um, you know, we can break it down. There's, there's a lot to discuss here because, you know, first of all, when a player like Darnell Sankey decides that he wants to go in a different direction, then I think you... You first think to, you know, thank him for however long his time was in Canada for putting on a great show for Canadian football fans. And, you know, by extension, thanks for coming up and spending time in our country. You know, a lot of Americans come up and end up staying here and raising their families here. So that's all a great part of our game. And, and you, you want to congratulate those players and, and we'll be watching him no matter where he goes and cheering him on. But as far as these narratives that this is damaging the, the CFL or the narratives that, you know, sole purpose is to devalue the CFL because a lot of them are. It, it's, it's one thing to put a headline out there that says Darnell Sankey has decided to play in the XFL. It's another, or, or the USFL, whatever. It's another to suggest that there's a huge talent drain and that this is a trend that's going to continue because all of those narratives devalue our game and our great tradition. And, you know, because the bottom line here is any and all players are replaceable. You know, there are, right now, there are literally hundreds of potential all-star pro football players without jobs. And again, if, if you want to put the headline up saying, hey, player X went to the XFL, that's fine, that's news. But if you start to suggest that this is a hit this is a problem for Canadian football. I just put a full stop to that. Any article or tweet that suggests it's going to be now super hard to find talent is just not true. It is, it is a lazy narrative. Let's put a full stop to any tweets that suggest player X is not going to be replaceable. You know, in, in all due respect to Darnell Sankey, not only will the riders find a new linebacker, but they may find a better one. So, you know, I, this is, this is, there's, there's right now, there are two pro football leagues in the world, the national football league and the Canadian football league. One just celebrated its 57th championship. The other it's 109th championship. Mm -hmm. So those are the two pro football leagues. If a player chooses to go play on a farm league or go play in a temp league, they, that's their prerogative. 
the upside for that player is he may, you know, live in one of the cities and, and he gets to go home and play pro football. The other is, um, yeah, the, the NFL will be looking at these farm leagues and these temp leagues um, in the short term. So, yeah, sure, sure, you, you might get a little more exposure being closer to an NFL city. The downside, and there are lots of them, is the temp situation that these leagues always are. You guys discussed that at length in, in, a, in a real good talk as I was listening in online. Um, but, you know, it gets to a point when you're talking about that and how temporary these leagues have been. It's a little bit like Peter Griffin continuing to touch the hot element, not getting you know wise to it. Um, it. And then the other issue for players when they make the decision to go play in the farm league is that, you know, are they protected? What if they get hurt? You know, I, as last I checked, the XFL does not have a players association. They don't have any protection at all. If they get hurt and that injury lingers on for two years beyond their playing career, who protects them? In, in the pro leagues, in the NFL and the CFL, you have protection. Uh, I'm not sure you do there. The USFL may have something uh, with the Steels Workers Union or something. I was reading a little bit about that, but it's nowhere near the protection needed. So there's there's downsides to these choices. But let's just, anytime you see a tweet that devalues Canadian football and our great tradition because there's going to be a talent drain, I would just suggest blocking or, or unfollowing that person. I would. Yeah. Um, you know, when we look at the amount of talent that's available to the amount of jobs that are available, it seems to me like when you talk about supply and demand, football is the one sport that has an incredible surplus of talent for the demand that's there to take it. This is not a sport that is built to have, it's not like baseball where, um, you know, you've got three levels at the farm system um, or, um, you know, even the NBA where they've got a farm team. Football is the one sport where that doesn't really work very well. And there's so many athletes that are being developed at the college level. And when I think about this, it reminds me back to the end of your playing career, Glenn Suter, when the American franchises started um, sprouting up. Uh, your first or your 93 Sacramento came in the league. And then the next year, they added uh, the Las Vegas Posse. I remember it all like yesterday. I remember 93, 94, 95 better than anything I did last week. Uh, and, and in those years, there was incredible talent that joined the Canadian Football League who nobody had ever heard of. And these were athletes who admitted they would never have given Canada a shot if it wasn't for the fact that there was a team just there and asking. There was a scout who patted them on the shoulder. Um, Eddie Davis uh, said he had no idea what the Canadian Football League would be, and he seriously doubts that he ever would have given it a shot. So is it maybe a lesson learned that there's so much talent out there today that is not being tapped into by any league and it puts the onus on people like the Paul Joneses of the world, the assistant GM of Saskatchewan, and the scouting people on other teams to go out and find these guys because they're out there ready to be had, and the supply is there even when you're competing with these other leagues. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that and that's why 
I have I have said that, and you know, I'm not trying to disparage these new startup leagues. I'm I'm honestly not. I mean, I, I think they can be farm systems, possibly for both the CFL and the NFL. And you know, in fact, you know, leadership in the XFL right now, if you look on Twitter, are basically talking as if they are the farm system or want to be the farm system for the NFL. Now, the NFL will tell you, we don't need you to do that because we have college football in the States, and that's our farm system. But there are, like I said, there are there are literally hundreds of, of all-star quality football players that come out of U.S. and Canadian colleges every single year that don't get an opportunity because of bad timing or they didn't get drafted or they slipped through the cracks. And there's, li- there's literally tons of them. And the, when the the expansion in the U.S. happened, that's where all of that talent all of a sudden emerged because they said, hey, and, and it was also talent specific to our league. Like the fundamentals of American football and Canadian football are the same, blocking, tackling, throwing, catching, those kind of things. But the nuance, the details are are very different. The type of athlete uh, top to bottom really is quite different in what they're looking for and what we're looking for. Um, you know, the, the tiny returners in Canadian football and things like that. So, you know, I just, I, I'm trying to get ahead of this narrative because it just, it's, it's such a hamster wheel when these, these startup leagues happen and there is gloom and doom. And, and honestly, Embarrassingly, it even comes from the rights holders of the Canadian Football League at times from different corners. And I just, I just go, it's not going to damage our league that we have to replace a linebacker. And if you're starting to say right now that this will just get worse and make, you know, look into your crystal ball, which is really what news has become. We're all looking into a crystal ball all the time. Well, okay, if you're going to look in there and say, yeah, this is going to continue to happen and all of our talent is going to be drained, you are specifically trying to devalue Canadian football. So just look for it and recognize it and don't accept it. Don't accept it because it's not true. And, and we will find the athletes and all players, no matter how good they are, how many all-stars they've had, are replaceable. And, you know, when you talk about talent we'll get the talent there are 15,000 graduating seniors in Div 1 and 2 in the United States every single year only 400 of them get a chance to go to a camp in the NFL or the CFL there are tons of players with great all-star talent that aren't even getting a look yet so I just you know let's let's just keep it in perspective it does not it does not, um, you know, drain talent from the two professional football leagues in the world. And there's only two. Suits is on a roll. We're going to have more on this on the other side. You're listening to The Sports Cage on Rider Radio 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on The Sports Cage. Right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. On Friday's edition of the Sports Cage, we'll have Luke Mullender in studio as well as hear from 
Ryder Roundtable host Daniela Ponticelli. Right now, we continue on with press coverage with Glenn Suter for Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. Glenn, just picking up on your point before the break about um, any worries of a talent drain for the CFL to the XFL or the United States Football League, I feel like it's a function of where we're giving too much credibility to an outfit that hasn't proven it can last beyond one or two seasons and to know if a talent drain is actually possible we're going to need a bigger snapshot than one or two seasons we need like five or ten seasons to properly analyze the data to see if it actually has any meaningful impact on the canadian football league am i wrong fantastic point it's it's an excellent point and that's that's um, responsible reporting on on what is the reality and not a crystal ball look in an attempt to devalue. And so you're you're bang on right. I'll, and I'll give you a couple of other sort of stats, unofficial, because you know I read them on on different news uh, different news sites online. So you, you're never sure, but. Apparently, before the XFL folded because of COVID with Vince McMahon as the owner of the XFL at that time, he had spent in two months leading into that inaugural season $250 million. And, you know, when you're, you know, you guys had a great conversation before I came on uh, with regards to the TV money and, and Fox that's, you know, propping up these leagues and a big part of why they can get, you know, off the ground for a year or two. Um, but, you know, that kind of expense for professional football is really, really tough to sustain if the numbers and the and the audience isn't there. Now, the XFL with The Rock is going to have a huge kickoff. It's going to draw a bunch of eyeballs for the first probably two or three years, honestly. Um, at least two. Because he is a great promoter. He's a great star of the silver screen. So <laughs> that's an old term. But, you know, a guy that can promote. So you we're going to see um, a real sort of spike out of the gate with these leagues. But, again, I mean, if, if we have this conversation in 10 years and the XFL and the USFL are thriving, then – you know, we could talk about how much talent or how much has all four leagues been watered down. I mean, the NFL is not going to have that issue but because of their money. But how, you know, the three other leagues, how much is it watered down? But that has to happen 10 years from now, 15 years from now. In the meantime, let's see if one of these leagues can get past three years. And let's see if these huge expenses, about $250 million for two months, to get their season kicked off, you know, I, you just not even big companies and billionaires want to sustain those kind of hits for very long. Yeah, it seems like there's a major misconception out there that all football owners get rich owning a football franchise. Even in the National Football League, a lot of them were rich before they got their franchise. This is more of a toy. I know, I, it, And I'm not demeaning what they're doing. You, you don't buy a pro sports franchise because you think you're going to make a bunch of money off of it. You buy it because you're a fan, you love the sport, you want to connect with uh, ordinary folks in other ways. Another part where I don't think the book has been fully written yet yet is 
um, we, when we see the ratings, like, um, you know, for the network that, that you analyze for, Glenn, um, through TSN, um, in, in many ways, they're very comparable to even NHL broadcasts. And you see some of the uh, eye-popping numbers that get pushed um, to the National Hockey League. You know, you could say those other networks are overpaying, etc. But as they continue to monetize this, um, yes, these other leagues are finding ways to be monetized. But the Canadian Football League is also going to continue to find ways to monetize being the number one football league in a country with a population approaching $40 million. Um, one thing I want to ask you about, you mentioned The Rock and his uh, following and his uh, profile. I've often wondered... If someone like that maybe wouldn't get more fulfillment in owning a franchise in the Canadian Football League. Uh, We've seen um, Dwayne Johnson post many times about being cut by Wally Buono. And and, uh, he didn't respond to Wally's tweet apparently when Wally invited him to his last game uh, in Vancouver. And I've often thought that it was almost his way of showing Wally, look at me now, I'm owning a league. But I think about the synergy and for someone like The Rock and Redbird Capital to pump a bunch of money into a league like the XFL, what if they were to buy the Calgary Stampeders? What if they did promotions at Calgary Stampeder games? Even if they're losing money, we're talking about losses of like maybe two, three million dollars a year, not 20 and 30 and 40 million dollars a year. I mean, is there something to be said for celebrities, even ex NFL stars who can't afford to play in the NFL sandbox could maybe have a whole lot of fun playing in the Canadian football sandbox? Well, there is, there is. Let, let me let me uh, respond first to the the first thought about ratings. Um, our ratings, on average, for Canadian football are better than most National Hockey League games. Not, and I'm talking about the national broadcasts, not the not the regional broadcasts. Mm-hmm. The national broadcasts, and and we're quite a bit, on average, higher than almost all of those games that the Toronto Maple Leafs are not playing in. There, there's a there's some sort of phenomenon about the Toronto Maple Leafs in our country that I haven't uh, figured it out ratings. either, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but it pushes ratings to the roof. But outside of that, you know, Calgary plays Edmonton. Even the matchups where they're real Canadian contests, they're you know, they're, our ratings are better, and our ratings for the Grey Cup as good as any Game Seven um, in the Stanley Cup, and you know, and. Um, you know, I'll take and put our ratings against any, including NFL games. NFL games right now are higher, and so is the Super Bowl, quite a bit higher in the last one. And and that's okay because, uh, you know, like I, I'm a fan of football, so if football's getting good ratings, there's lots of great fans in our country watching both. So that's that. But with the celebrities, with the celebrities, I, I would just say that the Canadian Football League doesn't need him. At least I hope we don't need him. I mean, to do promos, yes. When a star comes on with a BC Lion jersey, that's awesome. You know, Ryan Reynolds is talking about, I'm, I'm reading, talking about buying the Ottawa Senators or being a partner there in, in the NHL. And he's got a soccer team over in Europe, like a, a Div 8 or 7 team over in Europe. So, you know, like it, when they get involved, there's obviously buzz and it's, all, it's, it's a good thing. Don't get me wrong, but the CFL does not need it. We don't have to, like... Tell me that football fans in our country aren't Pacific Coast salmon, that all they need is for you to drop a shiny lure in the water 
and that'll be enough to chase it and go bite it. But if there's no shiny lure, then we're not going to function. We're not salmon. We don't, we don't need gimmicks. We don't need guys like The Rock to get out in the middle of the field and yell like he's a wrestler before the kickoff. We, we don't need that stuff. We have a fantastic, exciting out, uh, game played by world-class athletes that has the best final three minutes in all of sports. All we have to do is message correctly, and then football fans will see it. They see it every year. Over Almost 70% of our games went into the final three minutes. I mean, you, you can't get that level of entertainment anywhere. So I, I just, I, I, I like it. I You know, if Ryan Reynolds bought the Calgary Stampeders, it'd be a good thing. Don't get me wrong. But if if he did, if he doesn't, we don't need him to. We don't need him to. We don't need a shiny lure in the water. We're, we're good with just watching entertaining, outstanding football. We are not Pacific or sockeye salmon. I love it. And the Canadian Football we're not League. catfish. And the Canadian Football League. <laughs> I think they're ugly fish, right? Has, has plenty of steak that we don't need all this extra sizzle. Hey, Suits, this has been great. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you, gentlemen. Okay. Have that, a good night. That That's is... Fun. Press coverage with Glenn Suter for Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan. QualityTire.ca. Boy, that was a nice speech he gave there. I, I felt like that was like the old I am Canadian commercials. And um, CFL's great. We don't need all that extra stuff. I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, you had a subtweet about the uh, comment Man, you made. The Prince Albert earlier. Raiders are mad at me. They're mad at me. Check this out. Earlier in the show, I said the Pats... Should win tomorrow night in Prince Albert, okay? And the official Twitter feed of the Prince Albert Raiders tweeted saying, thanks for the billboard motivation. Great show, but questionable co-host. So that's what the Raiders <laughs> said about my take. So I'm a horrible co-host because I predicted that a base that a basement-dwelling hockey team will lose a hockey game. I mean, uh, you can go ahead and use it as billboard motivation, I guess. Something needs to motivate you to win a hockey game, so you're welcome, I, I suppose. So, go Pats. You're just piling on, Zinger. You're just digging yourself in with those eight game un- eight games under 500 Prince Albert Rams. Put it up on the billboard. Let's win a hockey game, boys. You see what this nobody in Regina said about us? Let's go out there and win tonight. That's finally going to win on the board. Special thanks to Drew Sim and Andy Mack, Gino Lewis, and also Paul Friesen and Glenn Suter. All of our guests who appeared on tonight's edition of the program. And that's a wrap. Zinger at Night is next. Today's sports page has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.